So, you guys want to know something about me that I'm bad at? Sure. sure. You know what I'm bad at? I'm, I'm, I'm really not patient. I'm not a patient person. I'm working on it, but I'm not that patient, okay? I struggle in traffic. You guys, you guys, I hate traffic. It's the worst. I struggle at red lights. Oh, even if I'm like the first one, you know, I, I cannot stand red lights. And you know what? Something about California that I've noticed, you guys have extremely long red lights. What is up with that? Like, I don't understand. Like, I'll be sitting at the red light right in front of the, whatever road this is, for like five minutes. I don't understand. It takes, mm, I don't like it. I really don't like waiting in lines. I hate waiting in lines so much that if I go somewhere, like, on purpose, let's say that I'm like, oh, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go to In-N-Out, and I get there and the line is way too long, I'm not going to wait. I just, I hate waiting in lines. I'm not a very patient person. I'm so bad at being patient, especially when I know that something really awesome is coming. You know what I mean? Whenever your parents are like, oh, we're going to do this awesome thing, but you have to wait. That's the worst ever, because you just have to sit there and wait and wait. So this is embarrassing, I'll just tell you. I was way too old for this to happen. I think I was like 16 or 17. Christmas morning, okay? Um... My parents had this rule where they said, do not open any presents until we're there. My mom liked to have the video camera, you know, anybody else like that video camera out, like taking pictures and videos? Yeah. Well, this one Christmas morning, (laughs) I was way too old for this. I didn't wait. I, I, I went to the living room and I opened all these presents and I just sat there and I was like, cool. And then my mom showed up and she was so mad. Have you guys ever had your parents mad at you on Christmas? It's not, it's not fun. It's not, you have? Not fun. It's not fun. Not at all. So, oh man, then there's this other thing, and, and I think this just lets you know how uncool I am, really. I was in the second grade. I remember this, like, so clearly. We had these little worksheets to do, these, like, National Geographic packets with, like, all this cool stuff in it, and at the, on the back of this worksheet was a quiz. And this one day, in class, I thought that the topic was so cool that I just wanted so badly to go and take the quiz. But my teacher, her name was Mrs. Sinopoli, she said, nobody go and do that yet. We're going to do it together. And it was killing me. So you know what I did? I went forward. I did it anyways. And I got everything wrong. And she said, you should have waited. You should have waited. But I couldn't because I'm not a very patient person. All right, well, James chapter 5, we're going to continue in James 5 tonight. In James 5, Christians are told that we have to be patient for something. And it's something that can be really hard to be patient for. And we have to be patient, waiting for this thing, trusting that God knows best. All right? So James chapter 5, go ahead and uh, open up there, James chapter 5, and let's read verses 7 through 11 together. All right, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. That's the thing that we have to be patient for, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming. He will come back. We're going to talk about that. It says, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. 
Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain, who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So James says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, the verses just before what we're talking about tonight, what were they about? Money. They were about money. We talked about money, right? Well, in talking about money, James is talking about how there were these rich people at the time, and they were making life really difficult for the Christians. They were persecuting the Christians. They were doing things like not paying the Christians for their work. Could you imagine doing work for someone and then not getting the pay that you were due? That's what they were doing. These rich people were evil. They were keeping them from getting things that they needed, like their just food and water and, and other provisions. They were keeping them from getting it. They were evil, evil people. So the advice that James gives them in light of all the stuff that's going on is he says, be patient and wait for Jesus to come back. Now, at first, that may seem like, wait a minute, I don't see how that is connecting at all. I don't get that. Well, it's really good advice, okay? Now, when people are making your life hard, anybody, anybody just shameless, like I've been bullied before? Anybody want to say that? I've been bullied before. I'm going to tell you a story here in a little bit. I've been bullied, right? Have you ever had someone in your life that just makes your life difficult? Ever been there? This means yes. Some of you guys, okay, right? And then I'm assuming that some of you have just gone through hard times before. You've had difficult circumstances in life, yes? Okay, okay, all right. Well, normally when someone does something wrong to you, what do you want to do? Somebody answer me, come on. You want to do something back, right? Right, am I right about that? I think I am. So when I was growing up, I'm the oldest, uh, I have a brother, Austin, who's, what, 24, a sister, Rachel, who's 21, and I have a brother, Malin, who's 12, almost. Is he 12? How old is Malin? That's my wife, Amber, by the way. Hi. He's almost 12, okay? Well, if any of my siblings ever did something to me that I didn't like, the first thought was like, I've got to act. I've got to get him back. I've got to do something, right? You guys with me? Does that make sense? Okay. Well, you want to see that person get what they deserve, right? Somebody does something wrong, you want to get them back because they deserve it. They deserve something bad to happen to them. That's the way that we think, okay? When I was in the sixth grade, here's the story. I got bullied really bad, okay? I'm not going to tell you this guy's name, uh, even though I want to. I'm not going to say it. He, yeah, he's just mean. There's one day at football practice. He took uh, his football helmet, and he just like smacked it on top of my head right here. Bam. I was wearing a helmet, but it still hurt. I saw stars, you know, just crazy stuff, right? Well, that entire year, sixth grade, all I wanted to do was to see this guy get in trouble. I wanted him to get what he deserved. And I was just watching and waiting and hoping that he was going to get in trouble. Guess what? He never did. Never. And that was hard for me because it didn't seem fair. Here I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to be a good kid, right? But all I was getting was this dude that was bullying me. And this bully was just not doing the right thing, but he seemed like he had a great life. And it was hard for me to see, okay? 
And what James is getting at here is that these Christians who were being oppressed by these rich people, they probably wanted at some point to see them get what they deserved. They wanted them to get in trouble. They wanted them to be the ones on the short end of the stick, I guess, right? It probably didn't seem fair to them that they were the ones who had really hard lives. They didn't have any money. They didn't have anything. But these rich people, these evil rich people, they were not in want for anything. They had everything they could ever want. And it's just not fair. So he's saying that these Christians here, they, they shouldn't be just sitting back wishing and, and watching for them to get what they deserve. Because the advice, again, is wait for Jesus to come back. Now, Jesus is going to come back one day. Okay? Revelation 22, chapter, or chapter 22, verse 12 says, Behold, this is Jesus talking, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Jesus is going to come back, and that's when people are going to get what they deserve. God says, vengeance is mine. Right? So what he's saying there is, it's not up to us to seek revenge. It's not up to us to seek even justice in some senses like that. We're supposed to trust that God knows what he's doing. All right? That's a really hard thing to do. Whenever all you want is to see someone else get what they deserve. And it's a really hard thing too because Jesus coming back is a really good thing. We should be excited for this. I know that sometimes it can be scary with all the stuff that goes on, but don't, don't focus on the scary stuff. What we need to be focused on is that Jesus' second coming is going to be a great, amazing thing for Christians. Okay? Matthew 24, verse 44 says, Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So it's this amazing thing that's coming, but we don't know when it is, and sometimes we might grow impatient. When Jesus comes back, all the evil people are going to be judged. They're going to get what they deserve, like we're talking about. And Christians, we're going to be taken to paradise. We're going to be with Christ forever. It's a beautiful, amazing thing that we need to be excited about. Okay. When Jesus returns, there's going to be no more pain for Christians. There's going to be no more suffering. There's no, there's no more hard days. There's no more bullies. There's no more sin. There's no more problems. There's nothing like that. And God says, you've got to be patient for that day. And James says that we can learn a lot from the farmers. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So farmers, how do they make a living? Somebody tell me. Growing crops, and then they sell them, correct? And then that's how they make a living. So this farmer that he's talking about is a patient farmer. He's just patient. He, he waits for the rain to come. He's waiting for the crops to grow. He's not getting worried or mad about anything. He's just faithfully working the fields. He's just doing what he has to do, and he's trusting. He's being patient in the situation. Now, when it talks about the early rain and the late rain, I think this is really cool. The, the early rain, it's talking about uh, the rain that falls in October and November, okay? Now, I know that October and November are the end of the year, so that may sound like the late, but that's the early rain, seasonally speaking. So the early rain comes October and November, and it makes the ground soft so that you can easily plant seeds, 
Because if you don't have soft ground and it's hard to plant seeds, that's, that's a lot of, that's hard work. And seeds don't grow in bad soil, right? Well, the late rain falls in March and April, and it helps the seeds that were already planted to grow. So this farmer is depending on the rain to make the ground soft so that he can plant the seeds. Then he's depending on the rain to water the seeds so that they can grow. And he just patiently waits for it. He doesn't get upset if it's not coming. He doesn't try to take things into his own hands and find some other way of water source. He just waits for it. And really what he's doing is he's trusting God. And whenever your life is difficult, whenever someone is making your life hard, when you have a bully, when, when something like that is going on, it's easy to want to take matters into your own hands. It's easy to say, I'm going to do something about this. But what, what you're saying there is you're saying, God, you're not acting fast enough. So I'm going to take everything and I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it. And that's not what we should do. Because James says, you also, like that farmer, you need to be patient. Just like the farmers were waiting patiently for the rain to fall and the crops to grow, you've got to wait patiently for the coming of Jesus Christ. I know that it might seem better for him to come back right now. The way that we think, we can think, it would just be so much better if you just came already, Jesus. Just come back here and punish the evil people. But he says to be patient. It might seem better if Jesus would just take away your pain and your hard times right now. Right? If you're going through a difficult time, to you it seems so much better. Jesus, come, please, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go through this anymore. But he says, wait patiently. And in waiting patiently, James says to do something. He says to establish your heart. This means to stand firm in your faith when life is hard. When people are treating you badly when you're going through hard times, when something is going on and you don't like it, stand firm in your faith. Establish your heart. Be determined that you're not going to give up your faith. That you're not going to get mad at God. That you're going to say, God, I'm just waiting patiently. And I'm just going to trust you. Be patient. Keep your faith for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Whenever he says the coming of the Lord is at hand, he's saying... It's near. It's close. It's almost here. When James wrote this, 2,000 years ago, almost, he meant, then it's almost there. But it's been 2,000 years. So sometimes we can think, it, it can't be close. We've been waiting for 2,000 years. We know that Jesus, the way that God works, he's outside of time. It's not the same thing. The Bible says that a day is like a thousand years to God. A thousand years is like a day. Again, this is where we just have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't think like you, God. I'm not wise like you, God. I'm going to trust what you have planned. And then today, almost 2,000 years after James wrote this, Jesus could be coming back any minute. He is at hand. We don't know when it is going to happen. So we've got to be patient. We've got to wait. So that's point number one. Okay, Patiently wait for Jesus to return. Patiently wait for Jesus to return. Now James says that when life is hard, he says, do not grumble against one another, brothers. To grumble 
is to complain about something with a bad temper. You guys ever grumbled about something before? Everybody should have their, everybody raise their hand. You guys have grumbled, I've grumbled, I've complained, we've done that, right? Maybe you've grumbled when your parents told you to do something. His hand is still up. He's like, oh yeah, all the time. Yep, yep. Maybe your parents tell you to do something and you grumbled. Maybe it's, go make your bed, and you walk away. I don't know why I have to do that. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to get into it later tonight. I'm just going to understand. You guys been there? Grumbling, yeah. I'm just going to, I don't understand. It's, it's dumb. I'm going to get in the bed later. I don't have to do it. That's grumbling. It's not good. Now, what about this? You can't go to your friend's house because you have to study. How do you respond to that? Oh, it's stupid. I don't even like school. I don't want to go to college anyways. I don't want to do this. That's grumbling, and that's wrong. Have you grumbled at your teachers before? Grumbled at your friends? Probably, right? Grumbling against others, it's a temptation that comes when you go through hard times. Okay? So that is specifically what James is talking about. He's saying these Christians are going through a hard time, and you're going to be tempted to just be mad at each other. You ever been in a really bad mood before, and you're just mad, and you just yell at somebody, and you're like, oh, I don't know where that came from. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, everybody should be going, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've been there before, right? Well, that's what James is saying Christians need to avoid. Whenever you're going through a hard time, whenever you're mad, whenever you're annoyed, whenever something difficult is happening, you got to be careful. Because the natural response for us is to grumble, is to be mad, is to be negative. God says, don't grumble, do not do that. Grumbling is a sin because it's a sign of impatience. Let me think about it, okay? If you're going through a hard time and you're grumbling because of the difficulty, what you're saying is, I'm not content with this. I don't trust you right now, God. I don't like this, so I'm going to complain because I don't need this. I don't deserve this. I don't get it. If we're being patient, if we're patiently waiting for the Lord, we're not going to be grumbling. We're not going to be complaining about these things. Ephesians 4.2 says this, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So Christians, you've got to be patient with each other. Even if one of you guys comes to the narrow and you're talking to somebody and they snap at you, you can't you should not snap back. You got to bear with that person in love. The loving thing to do is not to get mad and say, whoa, what, what were you talking about? It's to say, hey, are you okay? What's going on? You just snapped at me. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't really deserve it. But like, let's talk. Can I pray for you? What's going on? Imagine if that was your approach. Instead of saying, who, who do you think you are? Right? That's our natural response. Whoa. Do you know who I am? You can't talk to me like that. Why don't we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You okay? What's going on? That's loving each other. That's being patient with each other. That's bearing with one another in love. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Now, James is also saying not just not to grumble at each other, but he says do not grumble to each other about your hard times. All right? Here's an example. You ever just... Talk to a friend and go, man, this, this just sucks. This day, ugh, ah, I don't wonder, this is just the worst day ever. My mom told me to make my bed and I didn't want to do it. 
I don't even get it. Why do we have to do that? My teacher told me to do my homework, and I don't understand. You, you know, come on. I just, complaining about your day, grumbling about your day, shouldn't do that either. Think way back in the Old Testament. Think about the Israelites in the wilderness. All right? They grumbled against each other. They grumbled to each other. And the root of it all was that they weren't trusting God. They were saying, God, why, why are we here? We don't get this. What's going on? We should be somewhere else. You told us we were going to have a better land, and we're not there yet. So we're just going to be mad. Grumbling at each other. Being mad with each other. They were probably saying, what in the world are we doing here? They did say that. We should just go back. We should just go back and be slaves. It'd be better that way. This is just the worst. What are we doing? Grumbling and complaining. So many things to complain about, right? I don't like this food. Oh, I wish I had a better phone. I don't want to do this right now. I mean, a million things that we could complain about. When I was younger, I was a complainer. Talk to my parents. I was a complainer. And that's not right. I would complain about everything. I don't want this for dinner, Mom. That's terrible, right? I could have just said, thank you for dinner, Mom. Thank you for cooking. Without this, I wouldn't have food, so thank you, you know? Anyways, the point is, grumbling, complaining, it's wrong. So this week, I want you to do something, okay? I want you to take a mental note. I want you to start paying attention to how much you grumble and complain. Some of you guys may not complain a whole lot. Some of you are probably going to be uh, pretty shocked at how much you're complaining and how much you're grumbling. Which again, that's a symptom of not trusting God, not being patient. And it's wrong. So James says, do not grumble so that you may not be judged. Be judged by who? God, Sunday school answer, yeah, you can say it. God, not be judged by God, by Jesus. James is warning you that God hates it when you grumble. He hates it because it's sin. But it's something that we overlook, something that we can just think about. You know, just, uh, whatever, I'm complaining. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because he says right here, don't do it so that you may not be judged. So really, if you're a complainer, if you're a grumbler, you've got to repent of that sin got to understand that it is wrong, that God hates it. you got to repent from your grumbling, from your complaining. And he says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. The judge, Jesus, is standing at the door. Christians, we have to keep this on the forefront of our minds. Think about, think about it this way, okay? Imagine that, that you're in your room with the door shut, but you know that your parents are on the other end of the door and they're listening. They're right there. Are you going to do something that's wrong with your parents right there? Yes or no? Why? Somebody tell me why. Come on. Because there's consequences. Because you're going to get in trouble. Because they'll judge you for what you the wrong thing. You understand? So whenever it says, behold, the judge is standing at the door, Jesus, our judge, is standing at the door, and look, he's coming back any minute. You understand? He is ready to come back as soon as the Father says, go. He's going to go. He's at the door. He's ready. He's waiting for that. So remembering this, it should keep you from grumbling, should keep you from complaining, and really it should keep you from any sin. Keep in mind that God sees you when you're by yourself. When you're in your room and the door's shut, God knows what's going on. You might have your parents fooled. You might have your friends fooled. 
Right? If your pastor's fooled, but you're not fooling God. Keep that in mind. Number two, don't complain when life is hard. Don't complain when life is hard. James says that for a good example to follow, we should look to the Old Testament prophets. Old Testament prophets. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. A lot of these Old Testament prophets are, like I said, they're really good examples. We should look to them for the way that they were behaving, the way they were acting, the way they were living. They were really good examples for us to follow, especially when you find yourself going through a difficult time. They had extremely difficult things happen to them, and they got through them. They waited patiently, didn't grumble and complain, didn't try to take matters into their own hands. They just trusted God, and they did what he said. You guys have heard of the prophet Jeremiah? What book of the Bible can you find Jeremiah in? Nice, good. Jeremiah. God told Jeremiah to warn Israel of the coming consequences of their sin. He said, hey, idolatry. They're worshiping other gods. They are doing some really bad things. You need to go, Jeremiah, and tell them about the judgment that's coming if they don't stop, if they don't repent. So he goes, he's preaching, and he's saying, you got to repent. God, God doesn't like this. He hates this. Repent. Turn back. Let's stop. Let's burn our idols. Let's not do this. And they got so mad at him that they put him in stocks. You guys know what a stock is? Not like the stock market, but a stock, right? Yes, exactly. He put it, you know, you put your head and your hands in the hole like that. That's what they did to him. They put him in the stocks because he was preaching, because he was being obedient. You guys have ever been in stocks before? Not in like a, a funny picture or whatever that would be, you know, but like, no, you haven't. Jeremiah did because he was being obedient. They, they put him in prison. They threw him in this dungeon. I can't remember the exact word how the Bible uses to describe it, but essentially it's this dungeon with thick mud and they threw him in there, and they shut the door, and they wanted him to starve to death. That's what, that's what their goal was. And these people were so messed up in their thinking that they thought, well, if we don't kill him and he dies, his blood isn't on our hands. But they're the ones that threw him in there in the first place. Does that make sense? Like, that's how messed up, how wrong they were, is they were like, oh, we're going to do this, and what's going to happen is he's going to die, but we're, we're fine because we didn't actually do the killing. They put him in there, and he's, he's, staying, he's in there for who knows how long, and he gets rescued. He doesn't die. But th through this entire thing, he's patient. He's waiting on God. God told him, hey, this judgment is coming. He could have just said, like Jonah did, right? He could have said, I don't want to preach to them. They deserve that. I'm just going to watch it happen. I don't want to preach. I'm not going to do that. But he didn't do that. He said, okay, God, I'm going to do what you say. He was patient. He kept on trusting God. He did not grumble. He did not complain. Elijah, right? There's a story where he gets threatened by an evil queen. This evil queen is trying to kill him. He has to run away. But his faith in God stayed strong. He trusted God through it. He waited on God. Amos, he was insulted over and over and over again by the chief priest. He was just getting made fun of over and over and over again. And guess what? His faith in God stayed strong. His heart was established, like James is talking about. He was patient. He was waiting. 
So these prophets, and we could go down the list, so many more. They set great examples of what to do when you're going through a hard time. When you're going through a hard time, keep trusting in God. Okay? Look at me. When life gets hard, it doesn't mean that God has lost control. Okay? Sometimes when life gets hard, we're tempted to think, God, where are you? What are you doing? Take control back. What is happening? I don't understand what's going on. God is still in control, no matter how hard life is getting. You got to be patient. You got to wait for God to help. Don't lose faith. Think about how many people, how many Christians, the Christians that we will never know until we meet them in heaven, who have gone through really, really difficult times, but they, stay, they, they stood firm in their faith. They kept trusting God. These stories of these prophets, of these people like this, I mean, just read biographies. Go, go online and look up you know, stories about Christians who were persecuted and, and they stood firm in their faith. Read these things, because they will encourage you to do the same. And that's what, that's what James is doing. Look to the prophets. Follow the example that they set. They set a wonderful example of how you should behave when you're going through hard times. They didn't lose their faith. James says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. So those who are going through hard times without grumbling, without complaining, they're keeping their trust in God, they're, they're being patient and waiting on Jesus, those people are blessed. God is pleased in those people. He was pleased with Jeremiah and the prophets. Steadfast means firm and unwavering. Think about that. When life gets hard, when you're tempted to Say, God, what are you doing? When you're tempted to just to doubt, you have to be firm and unwavering. You have, to, you have to be resolved to stand firm, to say, you know what, God, I don't, I don't understand it, but that's okay. Because I'm not as wise as you. I'm not the one in control. You are God. So I'm going to keep trusting you, even though life is really hard right now, because you're still good. Guys, whenever you're going through hard times, it's so important to be reading the Bible. It's always important to be reading the Bible. But whenever life is hard, and you're tempted to think things like, God, you don't really love me. You're not really with me. Is anybody really there? When you open the Bible and you read the truth of Scripture, that God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from my love. These are things that God says to his, to his people, to his children. It's important to keep these things in mind, to remember these things. Be steadfast, be firm, be unwavering. And when you're doing this, God is pleased with you. You'll be blessed because God is pleased when you're standing firm, whenever you're patient, whenever you're not complaining. And sometimes going through something really hard, like I said, it can make you question God, but whenever you, you stand firm, it pleases Him. And really, we're going to talk about this more in a second, but it, it makes your faith stronger. So it says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. We've talked about Old Testament prophets. There's this guy in the Old Testament named Job. You guys have heard the story of Job, right? This means yes. Good. Okay, you've heard the story. So Job, uh, he went through some really, really hard times. Anybody know? Shout it out. What was something that he went through? Say it right here. 
children died. Yo, crazy stuff, yeah? So we'll just go through the list. Uh, his livestock were all killed, right? And his livestock was how he made money. So his source of money-making was taken away. That's hard. Then all of his children were killed in a storm, in a tornado or something like that. Then he got sick, and he had boils and bumps all over his body. These things are painful. It's, oh, it's so terrible to think about, but the Bible says he, had to, he took broken pots, and he scraped out the gross stuff from his skin. Ugh, like That's what he was going through. His friends all turned on him. His wife turned on him. His wife said, curse God and die. That's not the kind of wife you want, guys, <laughs> girls. You don't want your husband to say that to you either. But Job never lost his faith in God, all right? It was really hard, very difficult things that he went through. And there were times where he was saying, I don't get it, God. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. But he never lost his faith in God. He's a great example to follow when you're going through difficult times. It says, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord. The purpose of the Lord. God uses hard times for a good purpose. I'm going to say that again. God uses hard times for a good purpose. Like we said, God is always in control. And we have a great promise in the Bible, Romans 8, 28 and 29, that says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Okay, pause. That's great news. For those who love God, all things work together for good. All right? Quick story. When I was in college, it was 2017, both of my grandfathers died like three months apart from each other. And they both had cancer. They both died. It was really difficult. Um, and a lot of people in my life were saying, hey, all things work together for the good. Something good is going to come from this. Look for the good. Look for the good. They had good intentions. They were trying to help me. But to me, all I was hearing was, are you telling me that you think it's good that my, both my granddads are dead? I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And it was making me angry. I was going, what does this mean? I see the verse in the Bible. I just read it. I, but God, what could be the good? I don't understand. Well, the problem is, the way the Bible works is you have to have the whole context. I know you guys know that. You've been at this church long enough to know that. Verse 28 is incomplete without verse 29. I'm going to start over. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So what that is saying is, all things in your life as a Christian are working to make you more like Jesus. That's the good. It's not a good thing whenever someone dies. Death is not a good thing. It's not a good thing when you're going through a hard time. But the good that God is working for is to make you more like Jesus. And there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than being more like Jesus. So when you're going through a hard time, be patient. Be patient and wait for Jesus, because he's going to come one day. We don't know when, but he's going to make everything right. When you're going through a hard time, do not complain. Do not grumble. Trust 
God and what you're trusting is that he's working for your good and the good is to be made more like Jesus. Now, like we said, sometimes hard times can result in stronger faith. And stronger faith is exactly that. Stronger faith is being made more like Jesus. And that's what we're after. That's what we should be, uh, should be, we should be focused on in life is being made more like Christ. So trusting God through hard times makes you more like Jesus. Trusting God through hard times makes your faith stronger. God's purpose for you is to be more like Jesus. And then the last part here, it says, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. God has compassion, and God is full of mercy. In the story of Job, you can see how God is compassionate. You know what happened at the end of the story? Somebody tell me. God restored it all. God never stopped caring for Job. Never. Even though Job was going through a really hard time, God's mercy on his life never got taken away. When you're going through a hard time, God still cares for you. It doesn't mean that he's not caring about you and that his mercies are not still new every morning because they are. God never left Job alone. The saddest, darkest time of your life, God did not leave you alone because he is full of compassion and full of mercy. So thinking for the future, hard times are going to come. I wish, that th- I wish I could tell you that you guys are going to be fine, nothing hard is going to come, but something difficult is going to come. God is compassionate and he is full of mercy. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. Number three, trust God when life is hard. So there's our three points. Patiently wait for Jesus to return. Don't complain when life is hard. Trust God when life is hard. Life is going to get difficult. Keep trusting God through life. Keep trusting Him. God has not lost control when life is difficult. And sometimes God lets your life get hard to make you more like Jesus. We have to think about it that way. That when life is hard, it's because God allowed it to be hard. To make you more like Jesus. Don't forget these things. This is what James is talking about. Patience and suffering. Remember, he's writing to these Christians. You guys remember, think way back to James chapter 1. What's happening? Anybody know? What's going on in the lives of these Christians that he's, that he's writing to? Uh, they're, being dispersed. they're being dispersed. Because of what? Because of... Someone say it. I heard it. Persecution. Persecution. Right. Just like these rich people, these evil rich people are oppressing, it's, it's more of that. And these, these Christians had to spread out and move out and just go because of the persecution. The hard times were coming. They were there. James is saying, be patient and wait for Jesus. Don't complain right now. I know life is hard. I know that you want to see all these evil people get what they deserve. Trust in Jesus. Trust in God. Wait patiently for him and don't get angry. Don't get mad. Don't complain. 
We've got to remember these things because, like I said, hard times are coming. And when they come, you keep these things in mind. You're going to be more like Jesus at the end of it. And again, that's what we're after as Christians. That's number one, to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the truth that we read from your word. Thank you, God, that you love us so much. You are full of compassion. You are full of mercy and grace. God, that you love us so much that as your people, as your children, you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. That you will never leave us to be alone. That we don't go through difficult times by ourselves, but you are with us, strengthening us along the way. Thank you, God, for that blessing and for that gift. Please help us to remember these things when hard times come. Help us to be patient and wait for you. God, please don't let us be grumblers or complainers. Help us to trust you. Help us to be, uh, to, to be happy and to be pleasant people to be around. We don't want to be grumblers and complainers. And God, help us to trust you every day, all day, no matter what's going on. Help us to trust you, God, because you are worthy of our trust. We love you, we praise you, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for what you're going to continue to do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name, amen.